Welcome, mamas, to the Simply Whole Moms podcast, where we talk all the real stuff, real life, real food with real moms. And we promise no BS. I'm Kara, a certified nutritionist and backyard chicken owner. I'm Nicole, espresso lover and clean beauty junkie. We've been friends for 17 years. We've gone from being babies to raising babies. And together, we're we're the the Simply Whole Moms. Kara here, and I am so excited to share today's episode with you guys. I have been fangirling over our guest for years, and I am just enjoyed my conversation with her so much, and I know you guys will too. Her name is Dr. Jolene Brighton. She is a naturopathic medical doctor and a nutritional biochemist. She's super smart. She knows her stuff. You can trust that everything that she's sharing with you is well-researched and um, well-understood. She basically is the leading expert in post-birth control syndrome, which if you haven't heard of that, we will talk about it in our episode today. She has a new book that just came out called Beyond the Pill, which you can get pretty much anywhere. And in that book, she kind of details the steps to understand what birth control is doing to your body, how to get off birth control if that's something that you want, and also how to to, um, work on the symptoms that maybe cause birth control in the first place. She spends a lot of time talking about her personal life, which has been a little rocky lately, and her son's recent diagnosis. So I know if you need some encouragement or you want to take back your life or your health, this is going to be the episode for you. So enjoy. Jolene, we are so excited to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey there. Thanks so much for having me. So I am a naturopathic physician with an emphasis in women's endocrine health, so that's women's hormones, and I'm a leading expert in post-birth control syndrome, which we're going to talk more about if it's the first time you're hearing that. Don't worry, because for most of us, I mean, when I went through it, it was like I, there wasn't even a name for it yet. Um, I have a background in nutritional biochemistry and chemistry along with clinical nutrition. So I'm very much a nerdy scientist who also has a respect for the ability of the body to heal and women's stories about what is and is not normal for them. So cool. Okay. So let's just start with the pill. How many women are taking it? What are they taking it for? That kind of thing. Yeah. So with hormonal birth control, you know, the first thing I want to say is like, as we come into this conversation, I am not anti-birth control. So often I, I have interviews where, you know, people will say, oh, so you, you like hate birth control. I'm like, no, actually I did the pill for 10 years and I'm super grateful to have that tool available so that I could be a first generation college student who became a doctor. So that's first things first is like, Ladies, if you're listening to this, we in no way are going to be judging you. Now, when it comes to hormonal birth control, what the research has, you know, showed us is that shown us is about 11 million women in the United States alone are taking hormonal birth control with about 98% of women worldwide who have been sexually active ever in their life have at some point dabbled with hormonal birth control and specifically the pill. So it's quite a few women. In fact, in you know the United States and Western Europe, it's estimated 100 million women are using hormonal birth control. So when we talk about this, I, I first want you to understand that's a lot of women. And we now understand that you know, almost 60% of them are using it primarily for symptom management. That is, this hormonal birth control, so the pill specifically was the first to step onto the scene in the 1960s. It was designed to help you delay pregnancy or space your pregnancy so you could get pregnant when you wanted. Now we've seen an evolution where women are past hormonal birth control for every single symptom that they have that's considered a female health problem. 100%, it is your right to use hormonal birth control to manage symptoms. But I think it's a big disservice when doctors don't address why do you have those symptoms to begin with? What else could you do about it and educate and inform you in that? 
and how to protect your health while you use hormonal birth control because there's more side effects than just the stroke and heart attack and cancer risks that we've been told about. So those side effects, I mean, it's funny. I hear people all the time. I started a new birth control. I'm more moody now than I was before. What are some of the, is that a side effect? What are some of the side effects that birth control causes? You know, it's it like it has me kind of cracking up that hormonal birth control stepped onto the scene and from the moment it was put into clinical trials, women were complaining about mood symptoms. It's in the package insert. Yet at this juncture, we don't have a study to say causation. So for people listening with research, we've got to have a robust enough study to say, yes, hormonal birth control causes these mood symptoms. However, I think, you know, we can look at women's stories and we can understand that, you know, we all have a friend or maybe it's you who has complained of new onset anxiety, new onset depression when they started hormonal birth control. And what can make it confusing is that sometimes you start hormonal birth control, you're like, okay, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it. And then a year later, you're like, I can't deal with it. And at that point, your doctor says, well, you're so, you started the pill and that was a year ago. You got an IUD, that was a year ago. Therefore, if it was going to show up, it would have shown up by now. So this is something separate. This isn't your birth control. We now have studies. So a couple of years ago, epidemiological studies came out showing us that not only is there a correlation with being prescribed hormonal birth control and a higher incidence of uh, having mood-altering prescriptions follow, but also that our teenage girls are at higher risk of suicide within the first few months. So this is something that should give us all pause. So absolutely do we see you know, women in my clinic reporting that they have these mood swings, irritability, crying all the time, anxiety, depression going on after they stop hormonal birth control. But the other things that can you know, show up as a side effect with hormonal birth control is having changes in brain function altogether. Maybe you're experiencing brain fog or you're starting to have digestive issues, maybe increase in food sensitivities. So you notice you eat this food that you've always eaten and now you're starting to have some weird symptoms that follow or you're developing gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, things along those lines. Women can also see new onset of acne or oily skin or even hyperpigmentation, which is known as melasma. So you get like the darkening of the skin on your face. Other side effects include things like uh, inability to orgasm, or if you do achieve an orgasm, you have pain with that orgasm. You can also have painful intercourse, increase in vaginal infections or oral infections as well. And then of course, hormonal birth control is very nutrient depleting. In fact, it impacts our antioxidants, our B vitamins, and an array of minerals that all play an essential role in your overall health. So, you know, when I came off of hormonal birth control, and I, and I, you know, started my clinical practice and I was getting known as the doctor who believed women's birth control stories. And I started observing you know, many, if not all of women struggle when they come off of hormonal birth control that compelled me to dig into the research. And as I got into PubMed and I started to read all of these things, I'm like, what did I do to myself for the 10 years I was on birth control? So if you're listening to this right now and you're feeling any shame, guilt, or fear, hopefully I did my job in my book, Beyond the Pill, well enough that you don't feel any of those things because I certainly moved through those emotions and then came to realize that absolutely no one on this planet has ever been served moving forward by judging themselves in the past. Like where you were and hating yourself will not get you where you want to go. And so instead, we learn, we learn, we evolve, we understand more, and we see that today and tomorrow is always an opportunity to do better. I love it. I love it. I was thinking, oh, crap, when you were talking, because I took it for 12 years, yeah, um, mostly for acne management. They put me on it when I was super, super young. And um, anyways, it's just great to hear your encouragement around that. So <clears throat> can you explain to me a little bit how... You said in there nutrient, like how does all this symptoms, these symptoms happen? Like what is the pill actually doing to our body to make all these things kind of come out of it? This is a great question because, you know, once upon a time, I believed very much that hormonal birth control only impacted my reproductive system because that's what I was taught. And that's what so many doctors are taught is that 
This will help with your lady parts and it doesn't affect anything else. And so then like, but you'll take it for acne, right? Hormone mediated acne, super common reason to get on hormonal birth control. Now with that, it depletes nutrients, things like magnesium, selenium, zinc. So just depleting zinc alone can make your skin get a whole lot worse when you decide to break up with it. And some women listening might be like, yeah, it's bad, but I can't come off because I tried that once and that was really bad. And we can totally talk more about that. So there's all these nutrient depletions. There's also the fact that both genetically and structurally, it's alterating, it's causing alterations in your liver. So it will alter your liver at the genetic level to express more sex hormone binding globulin, which grabs onto your good, yummy, delicious, wonderful hormones um, and can make it so you lose your libido and that it doesn't come back when you come off of hormonal birth control. We also saw that with the introduction of hormonal birth control, there was a rise in the diagnosis of liver tumors. Now, they are benign liver tumors. Yes, they can be cancerous with hormonal birth control. There is a increased risk with that, but they tend to be benign. And if you <clears throat> recognize that the liver is a very essential organ for detoxification, for blood sugar regulation, for hormone balance, for getting your nutrients into your body. I mean, there's so much that the liver does. Then you can understand that if you start losing parts of that organ that are actually functional, that could be problematic. The other thing with hormonal birth control is that it lowers microbial diversity. So understand this. At this juncture, we know that your gut bugs, what grows in your gut, influences just about everything with your health, from your mood to your metabolism of hormones to uh, you know the development of autoimmune disease and chronic illnesses. And hormonal birth control has been compared to antibiotics in terms of how it affects the microbiome in a very negative way. Now, let's frame that. I know, right? So let's frame that, though. How many people do you know that spent 10 to 20 years on antibiotics? We don't do that. <laughs> and so right. when they say this medication is very much like an antibiotic, like we've got to give some pause because you know, there's many of us who have spent long time on hormonal birth control, which is lowering the diversity of those microbes. You know, those gut bugs, if you get pregnant, they become your baby's microbiome right. and influence baby's health for life. And in addition to that, Hormonal birth control can induce intestinal hyperpermeability, more commonly known as leaky gut. It can also lead to changes. So they've done studies where they scan a female brain. Your brain on hormonal birth control looks structurally different from a woman not on hormonal birth control. This is raising a lot of questions for researchers of like, what is actually going on here? And then we also know that it can have an impact on your adrenal glands and your thyroid. So, you know, in my book, Beyond the Pill, there's an entire chapter dedicated to thyroid health that details and goes through, you know, I spent a long time going through the research and putting together all the ways that hormonal birth control actually impacts your thyroid. And there's a lot of ways it hits our thyroid. And we as women need to give pause because we're five to eight times more likely to develop a thyroid condition. I mean, once we get into our 30s, most of us have hypothyroidism, which is low functioning thyroid. I personally have Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. And I look back and I'm like, wow, what role did hormonal birth control play in all of this? Right. Again, yeah. it's not going to serve me to get hung up on it, but it's very much where I'm like, I wish I would have written this all down so I could understand, okay. you know, how did all of this develop from me? So when you understand that hormonal birth control is impacting every single system in your body, it's not hard to see how we can have so many side effects that come up that make it really confusing for doctors to make that correlation. And if you don't understand how medicine works, because you're not a doctor, and that's, that's totally cool, let me help explain this to you, that you know, traditionally speaking in Western medicine, there's a compartmentalization of your systems, which means that if you have what's termed a lady problem or a period problem, you go to the gynecologist and they might investigate your estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. If you have an adrenal, a thyroid, an insulin problem, you'll go to your endocrinologist. If it's a gut problem, you're going to go to a gastroenterologist, and it keeps going in that way where they are splicing up the body and looking at it separately, which makes it so that they don't 
make the connection because again, the story goes hormonal birth control only affects your reproductive tract. But you know, I've shared this many times and I'll never stop sharing it because it's truth. And every one of us needs to understand that at the end of the day, the number one person who does not care about medicines, compartmentalization of these systems is your body. Your body doesn't care how easy it is for us to study things or treat things just because we split it all up. Your body recognizes, I mean, your body is interconnected. Every single system is connected. So interesting. That makes total sense to me. You know, because when I go to my OBGYN or whatever, it's the questions are never, even when I bring up my mood sometimes, like, oh, I've been a little moody lately, or since I had my baby, I'm a little, I feel like I'm a little off emotionally. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that'll pass. <laughs> Yeah, this is the thing about being a mom, like as a mom, and like I actually struggled for a year with um, Hashimoto's not getting a diagnosis because when I went in and was like, I'm fatigued, I'm gaining weight, like my hair is falling out. They were like, well, you're a mom, of course you're tired, like you had a baby, (laughs) that's just the way it is, accept it. You're gaining weight, that's because you're not eating well and you're not exercising enough. And I'm like, you know what? Slow your roll with that because I actually have a degree in nutrition, which is more (laughs) than what you likely got in your training. And you're sitting here telling me that I eat protein and vegetables for every single meal. And that is not enough. I am not Mm -hmm. doing a good enough job. And that, oh, my solution is just to sleep more, which by the way, like as a mom, and I'm sure every mom can vibe with this, you just want to slap anybody who tells you to sleep more because you're like, I would sleep more. If that was an option, I would be doing that. Like, stop with that. So, you know, it's something in women's medicine, we get dismissed so much. And I think like, you know, we get dismissed as a whole in women's medicine, but moms, man, they get the short end of the stick because doctors are like, oh, you're a mom. That's your diagnosis. No, being a mom is not a diagnosis. Just stop that already. And like, and hear that woman. I mean, that's so much of what I talk about is like, you know, doctors will say, you know, they'll dismiss you. If they can't find the answer, they can't figure it out. They're like, oh, it's in your head. You're making it up. Like, what is that? Like, that's really a simple, convenient answer. Like, no, we need to dig deeper. And you live in your body. Like, you're the only one who knows what normal is. If a patient comes to me and they're like, this is not my normal. I'm like, okay, hold up. We need to listen to this because you live in your body. You are the expert of your health. It's so true. And there's nothing more scary, I think, than like when, for me, when I feel like emotionally out of control, it's like very scary to me. Like, I really feel like I genuinely cannot control my emotions and this is not normal for me. And then for mm-hmm. me to be like, oh, you know, like basically just get it together. You'll, you'll get over postpartum depression. Just, you know, wait it out and, you know, take this medication. And it's like, okay, this is, it's almost like you're made to feel bad. About oh, totally. How you feel. And then- you know, you know, you're so like a nail on the head with that 100%. And it's something that I think, you know, it's a very kind of um, male energy in the way of like, suck it up, power through. Mm-hmm. What are you mm-hmm. complaining about? And we can all take a moment to recognize that like, if it wasn't like, go look at the memes of the man cold. Um, if it wasn't for the mm-hmm. ability of women to really power through their symptoms to, you know, hold it all together uh, for their family and to put every single one of their family members and people in their social circle first. Like if it wasn't for our drive to do all of these, uh, these things, like the human species, like the species <laughs> of humans would not exist. So, so true. Yeah. I mean, so understand, like, don't judge yourself or hate on yourself because that's the other thing that happens is that health experts come out and they're like, practice self-care and like you're (laughs) sick because you're not taking care of yourself except that you have this innate drive in your body to make sure that this entire species exists that's something worth honoring but also saying how does this fit in modern day society where I don't have a tribe I don't have women who are coming over making me food taking my kids sharing the burden like we don't have that and so we still have that primal drive to make sure that like our babies and our people that we love survive And yet we live in this modern world that's an evolutionary mismatch with the reality of who we are and what we have to actually be in this world. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Okay, so if I'm listening and I'm like, oh, I take birth control, but I, I really feel like this is something that I want to stop doing. 
or think about stopping doing? What are kind of the steps around that? Yeah. Okay. So first things first, <laughs> if you started hormonal birth control to, you know, uh, to manage your acne, your, uh, you know, heavy, painful periods, you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, you have endometriosis, like you have anything like that going on, then you have to understand that when you come off of hormonal birth control, those symptoms can and often will come back. So First things first is that you're going to want to prep your body before you come off of it. And this is where people are always shocked. They're like, wait a minute, if you're saying birth control isn't that great for our bodies, why aren't you just telling us to jump off of it? Because they don't want you to be in hormonal hell. I've been there. It is the worst to help patients through that. And when when your hormones are like off the chain, there is no way you can do all the diet, lifestyle, and, you know, supplement practices that bring them back into balance because you're just frazzled. Like hormones rule right. your world and, and they could do it in a way where you have superpowers, which is what we ideally <laughs> want. Now, the other thing we want to consider is that even if you want to get pregnant, you don't want to get pregnant. So even if you want to come off of hormonal birth control, you don't want to get pregnant for a good six months. And I outline all the details of this in my fertility chapter within my book of like, here's the things we have to consider. Like your microbiome becomes baby's microbiome. You don't want to enter into pregnancy nutrient depleted. Like you have some steps to take to get baby body ready so that your baby has the best outcomes. Your pregnancy is as healthy as possible and you don't develop, you know, postpartum complications like postpartum depression or, you know, postpartum thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune thyroid condition that impacts one in 12 women who give birth in the world. So there's all these things we want to do to ensure the best outcome in pregnancy, getting pregnant, staying pregnant and postpartum. Now, if you don't want to get pregnant, you still, you better have that backup method because you don't want to just jump off of hormonal birth control and then cross your fingers and hope nothing happens. Like if you don't want to get pregnant, you have to ensure that, you know, that's going to be something that you are safeguarding against. So in chapter 13 of my book, I go through all the non-hormonal birth control options that women can choose from. That way you don't feel like, okay, I just told you everything's bad. And now you're like, oh, I have nothing left. Like, no. And even if you choose to do birth control and stay on it, I will support you in my book and that decision. Now, as you come off of hormonal birth control, there's five key steps and one is called the Brighton Protocol. Number one is we have to replenish the nutrient stores. We have to identify your hormone imbalance because it's not the same for every woman. Sometimes it's cortisol, sometimes it's thyroid, sometimes it's estrogen, sometimes it's testosterone, and sometimes it's progesterone. We have to figure out who is the main player in driving your symptoms so that we can be very targeted in that approach? As you imagine with what we've said, we also need to heal your gut. We need to heal up that gut so that you are not developing food sensitivities. You're not contracting conditions like yeast overgrowth in the gut or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or just you know <clears throat> any kind of unfavorable changes in the gut. We also have to work on doing a post-birth control detox. And if you stay on hormonal birth control, this is something I recommend that every one of my patients does every three to four months. Now, if you're hearing detox, you might be thinking like, oh, drinking like gallons of swamp water and restricting food and doing something crazy. No, 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 no. Okay, so no. (laughs) The, The reality is your body knows how to detox appropriately, but when you're on hormonal birth control, it depletes the nutrients you need to do that and can affect the systems that you run your detox uh, pathways through. And so what we do instead is we come in with food and lifestyle practices and then targeted supplementation that work with your body's natural ability. Every woman who goes through this feels better. If you're ever doing a detox and you feel worse, um, consider doing something else because you shouldn't be feeling worse (laughs) with that. And then the last step is the metabolic repair. So it's not often talked about, but we're seeing new research come out about the impacts of hormonal birth control on glucose metabolism and your risk for diabetes. In fact, there was a study that came out in 2018 showing if you spent six months on the pill, then when you enter into menopause, you are over 30% more likely to be diagnosed with diabetes, to actually develop diabetes. And that's because hormonal birth control can change, it can change your glucose metabolism to how you get blood sugar into your cells. It can cause insulin resistance. And it also has a negative impact on your cholesterol. So if your cholesterol is rising and you're on hormonal birth control, 
you want to you want to check out and investigate is that the issue and also check your thyroid as well which can be impacted by hormonal birth control and then of course we have to look at the inflammatory component so if you're new to this idea understand that inflammation is really what's being looked at as the root of all chronic disease so whether it be autoimmune disease heart disease dementia, Alzheimer's, these chronic conditions that not one of us want to have, they're really rooted in this whole metabolic system with inflammation, blood sugar regulation, and gut health as well. And so those are the areas I cover in my book to really help guide and direct women so that they can have you know all the tools they need to undo these side effects while they're on hormonal birth control and then transition off as successfully as possible. So interesting. Okay. So many questions. So many questions. So do you recommend doing this with a, with a doctor in your book or is it something that like with your book, somebody can do outside of a physician? Yeah. So in my book, you're going to get, so there's actually a chapter that I call the, it's not called this in the book, but I call it the Dakota ring chapter. It's called take back your period. And, um, what that means is that like when we all got a period, we should have gotten this chapter, which helps you troubleshoot everything. So you're like, I have heavy periods. What could that be? What should your doctor be investigating? What lab testing should you ask for? And what can you do right now? So we bridge all of that so that you can be successful in advocating for yourself, getting the lab testing you need, getting to that root cause and partnering with the doctor, but at the same time, putting the medicine in your hands. And so much, you know, much of what it takes to heal, I'd say like the majority of what it takes to heal your hormones and to heal, you know, coming off of birth control is really the steps you take every single day in your life. Like the reality is, is that healing doesn't really happen in a doctor's office. It happens by what you put at the end of your fork, how you choose to move your body every day, the way that you talk to yourself, like all of these components are really what move you closer to health. And so within my book, I guide you in how to do all of that. There's going to be a good percentage of women who don't, you know, they don't need to meet with a doctor because they shift their diet a bit. They add some supplements. They start moving in a certain way and they integrate some of the targeted lifestyle practices and they start feeling better. You know, another physician read my book and he actually commented where he was like, you know, if if women do what you're saying in this book, 80 to 90% of them won't need to see a doctor just to get, just to get their hormones back into balance. He's, and I think he's totally right in that. Like there are things in there, uh, that can help you in terms of optimizing your hormones, your gut health, your liver health, your mood, your fertility, your libido. I mean, I cover everything. And then I wrote it in such a way that, if things come up in the future, you can always come back to it and be able to troubleshoot again. Oh my gosh. I, I just hope that people who are listening feel so empowered by that. Cause I just think so often it's like, well, you know, I'm going to give you this piece of advice, but you need to call a doctor and then you call a doctor and they sent you in a rat race circle around to a million different places. So I just think that's so empowering to know you can do this. Like, on your own, just eat better, move your body, talk to yourself in a positive way. I just think that's so awesome. Well, and it's something, you know, my motto in my clinic has always been that I don't heal patients. Like really your doctor doesn't heal you. Okay. Like you heal yourself. And I think it's a very disempowering thing when we act like, oh yeah, like as a doctor, I am like, you know, healing all these people. When reality, our job as doctors is to teach people how to heal themselves and teach them how not to need doctors. Yes. Yes. That's great. So tell me this. You're just so inspiring. And I just honestly feel like you're in my, in my corner, in all women's corner. So can you just give one piece of advice um, to a mom for just basically how to be the best version of herself? Oh, yeah. You know, I this is like, that's a huge question, really. Um, <laughs> be gentle with yourself because everybody is lining up to tell women how to live their life best for themselves, like they know how to live your life better. And certainly the moment you become a mom, it is like all the unsolicited advice that you can get um, where people are like, oh, you're, you're holding them too much. You're not holding them enough. Like you're, you're like taking time for self-care. You're selfish. Why aren't you doing self-care? Like what's wrong with you? And like, 
you know, people can have all the opinions they want, but at the end of the day, you've got this, you've got this. And the most powerful thing you can do is to demonstrate to your child, you know, that life is imperfect, but you handle it and you roll with it. Like what organism survives, but the adaptable organism. And so perfection has never served any of us. I've yet to meet a perfect human, yet I've met plenty striving for that. And it really does no one any favors. But here's the other thing. From a scientific standpoint, when we talk negative to ourselves, we actually raise inflammatory proteins, things like interleukin-6, which are measurable in the blood, that cause inflammation in the body that make your hormones worse, your brain worse, your mood worse, all of it. And yet when we talk kind to ourselves, so in time, like get in front of the mirror, tell yourself you're kicking ass and you are owning this day and how awesome you are and celebrate Every little thing, as ridiculous as it may seem, celebrate it because research has shown that will lower inflammation and it is more effective than meditation. And if you look at the research in meditation, meditation is always winning. So think about that. Just the way you talk to yourself can be more impactful on your chemistry, your biological chemistry than meditation can. And you better believe that while you're doing that, that small human is observing it and that's setting them up for a lifetime of health. Yeah, the body is so cool. I love it. I love it. Okay, um, we ask every guest this question. Um, basically, what is one thing you're doing now that you said you would never do before you came a mom? Uh, like, I see this person <laughs> doing this. I would never do this. And then now you're totally doing it. So I don't know if you know this, but my kid was recently diagnosed with pandas. Um, yes. possibly pans. I'm like, if you guys can see me right now, I actually have my hands over my face and I'm like rubbing my face like, oh my God, like I could just melt right now. Cause here is the thing. <laughs> I was like, we're not going to do screen time and we're not going to be one of those parents that hands our kid an iPad. And yes, I understand the research out there about iPads and screen time, but this is something like, uh, I get very heated and up in arms when people go judging people, especially like, let me tell you this <laughs> before I had kids. Like I remember I had these friends and I was over at their house one time and their kid was talking, talking, talking. And the mom was like, Oh my God, just shut up. And I was like, Oh, we'll never be like that. That's so rude. Yeah. Yeah. Spend, spend time with like, okay. So my kid has, um, pandas. This is a autoimmune neurological, uh, condition that also it's, it's a psychiatric disorder as well, but not psychiatric. Like you give them psychiatric meds, um, psychiatric in that, like they can, they can have rage fits. I mean, if you don't know what this is, go to YouTube and search it. I can't watch. Just the other day, my son was like, can you help me? He's six. Can you help me understand what is going on with me, mama? And um, <clears throat> this is a moment where we have him back. So I'm like, okay, I'll show you like a little bit of the YouTube videos of like what, what happens. And then, you know, to these kids and then what happens to you and trying to like have a conversation around this. I can't watch those videos without just like bawling my eyes out because oh. I mean, you straight up lose your child. Like my child lost the ability to hold a crayon to walk. He, you know, overnight had OCD behavior. He was, he screams potty words. I actually was on an Instagram and Facebook live and he was having an episode and he he was just like yelling penis in the background. And I was like, this is happening. This is happening this right is now. Oh, you know, it's really hard to deal with. Like the number of bruises I'm covered in right now, um, oh. kind of crazy. But, you know, so, like, and I, I share all of this. Like, it doesn't even have to be this extreme, you know, moms. I want you to understand that, like, we need breaks too. And it's something that, like, we actually have. So when he when he slips into one of these uh, episodes and he can't hold a crayon, he can't he can't color, he really can't do anything motor skill wise. Something he can do is that he can he can actually work on iPad apps, and like it doesn't have to be exact. And so. This is something that we've used as a tool. There is um, this one app my husband found where you build your whole own world. I don't know what it is about that. I'm not a mental health expert. There's something about that that calms him down and it makes him, it's almost like he finally has control back and he like 
and put bunny rabbits in and build trees and ponds and all this stuff. Um, So it was very much something with like knowing the research that I was like, we're not going to do screen time and we're going to engage with our child as much as possible. And like, um, and I will be sharing this on my YouTube channel this Christmas. Like, so, you know, for people who don't know, I'm living in Paris, France right now. It's such a trip. Um, it's such a trip because people are like, you know, some people are like, Oh my God, you're living in Paris. That must be fantastic. I'm like, yeah, except that like, sometimes we go, I go four plus days where I don't leave the house because I can't, because we can't physically get out of the house. And like, it takes a parent, one parent, 100% of the time available to my child. Now today he's having a good day. Thank you. Supplement protocol that I put together for him. And he actually went out um, with my husband for which I was really bummed because I'm like, I want to go out with you guys, but I've I've got interviews. I've got some things to do. Like that's hashtag working mom right there. Um, You know, but you know, other people have said things like, Hey, you know, um, you know, you're living in Paris, like that must be like such an incredible thing. And, you know, I've had a lot of support. And then some people are like, oh, wow, it must be nice that you can afford to live in Paris. And like, I have a view of the Eiffel Tower, which, you know, if you follow my Instagram, you've seen that. And um, some people are like, oh, wow, you you picked the most expensive apartment you can. I'm like, actually, in December in Paris, the Airbnb was like, you know, three to $5,000 more a month. So I picked the cheapest uh, thing I could. And, um, you know, I didn't plan, like I came here on family vacation, three days in, my son gets incredibly sick. He breaks out with his pustular rash, rash. They're like, okay, this is infectious. You can't get back on a plane. Also, your child can't no. sit still and he's in a rage. And TSA would probably not let you through the gates and they would probably ground the plane with like your child throwing things. And like, all, like you just, this is how pandas is. It's 100% complete hell. And so, you know, the universe was just like, let me kick you down, kick you down, kick you in the face while you're down. And then we happened, I was like, I need an apartment within three business days. And my kid has to get an MRI. We have to rule out a brain tumor and we need to be as close to the children's hospital as possible. And like, we rent this apartment on the second floor and then like allegedly the second floor, we get here and they push the button and we come up to the sixth floor and there's this view of the Eiffel Tower. And I was like, okay, universe, you made it. So like, if I couldn't leave the house, like at least there was this video. Um, But you'll see Uh on the YouTube, like what I share with people is that, you know, my husband and I didn't do Christmas presents this year for ourselves. We are putting all of our money into our child's healthcare. And every toy he got for Christmas this year was, I like spent hours researching toys very specific to rehabilitating the brain and for helping with sensory processing disorder. And after I spent hours doing that, I've had so many people reach out to me that I did a video. I just need to put it up and I'm going to put it on YouTube and be like, okay, so you don't have to do this hours of research. But even after all of that, Sometimes those toys make things worse. Sometimes like he is in a fit of rage where his brain is inflamed. And this is the ebb and flow of this condition where he can't do that. But he can sit down with an iPad and play a game. He also practices French, um, which sometimes he's just listening and then he'll be speaking it later. I'm like, how'd that happen? That's amazing. Um, And it's something that very much I was like, I'm not going to do screen time. And you guys, that was really long winded. Thank you for sticking with me in that little bit of story. You can tell I'm still in like the chaos of all of this. Um, But that's something where it's like, this is a tool. And just like any tool, you can totally abuse it or you can leverage it so that you can get a break. Because if you've got a special needs child who requires 100% a parent's attention, and, and my husband, so my husband actually works in my business. And so it's a situation where like, if it's not like he can go to work, make money and I can stay home or vice versa, it's a situation where it's like, Oh snap, we, we we both have to be doing our job in order to pay for our kids like medical bills, um, which, you know, you can imagine if you're living uh, in a country where you don't have insurance, like that's not like, that's not, that's no joke there. You know, even if you do have insurance these days, it's no joke, but so it's, um, very much a situation where sometimes it's the only time that my husband and I get to connect and where we can have a business meeting or actually just cuddle each other on the couch. And you need those breaks. Like everybody listening, you need those breaks. And especially like if you have a special needs child, I mean, this is something that 
it was like, I always knew it, but I've now I'm learning like firsthand and living it is people start to pull away from you. People don't know how to respond with you. Um, you know, like I, the people in our, uh, you know, our inner circle that would normally care for my child, they wouldn't know what to do now. And so it all falls on me and my husband. And so I just say that because you will lose your mind if you do not fill your cup every day. So my husband and I hold space for each other that he can do, he can go do things. So like here in Paris, I'm like, Hey, I got this for the next two hours. Why don't you take off, go to a cafe, read a book, do something. So you get some space. Like he holds space so that I can exercise, meditate and do my journaling. Because if we don't do these things, then we will lose our minds. We will like not be able to show up for anybody, let alone your child. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a lot of information there. (laughs) No, I think that's such great advice. I think, I just think all too often there's just, yeah, no one's paying attention. I think moms have to take back their own life sometimes. Like no one's going to do it for you. So I love that, you know, you have to make space. Get with your your teammate if you can and and say like we got to have these this time for this stuff cuz you got to take it back. Yeah. Well, and it's it's something where society is really quick to guilt you for like, oh, you're not 100% putting your child first at all times. And um, that's a nice idea that anybody could do that sustainably. Like I like that pretty idea, but it's not painted in reality. And, you know, also recognize that the number one people judging you don't even have kids. So for example, ladies, this is like what, you know, when you're very public, lots of things happen. Uh, lots of people say things to you. And, you know, with my child, we, my knee, uh, you know, us as a family really recognize that we had an opportunity to serve. Like what we're going through sucks. It is very tragic. One in 200 kids go through this. They get misdiagnosed and their parents struggle for six years or more. When I started sharing publicly, I had so I still have so many moms reach out to me that are like thank you for speaking up about this and I came to recognize that like as a mom with a kid with pandas and why I say possibly pans is because we suspect there's other infections going on and it took us a long time to even figure out there was strep it's still not impressive enough to hang our hat on that so we're still struggling to get to the root cause of what's going on but <clears throat> I had another physician who reached out to me. Um, actually, he didn't reach out to me. He wasn't that kind. Instead, he decided to publicly post and say that, you know, the problem with my child is likely that I allowed him to have access to screen time. This man has no children, okay? No children. He's like in his 60s. He has no children whatsoever. I'm like, if you don't have kids, you just like shut up right now, like talking yeah. smack to any mama. But in addition it's to that, true. I'm like, wow, you think it's that simple. Like you think uh, like I could just put like never show my child like a screen. Like, okay. Like if it's that simple, why is it his inflammatory markers are through the roof? Why is it that neurologically he regressed to being that of an infant? A child who at five years old was needing eight-year-old milestones is now regressed and unable to talk. And you think it's screen time. Like it's never that simple, (laughs) but also like I, I called him straight out and was like, how dare you publicly shame me based on your limited information of my life? And P.S., this is what society is doing to moms most of the time, is making inferences on the mm-hmm. ideal and like this one little glimpse they get into their lives and then deciding right. to judge them wholeheartedly on that. He took it all down and apologized to me, but I was like, I ain't having that because for every, you know, yeah, that like, you know, at first I got hurt and then I got upset and then I got pissed. Cause I was like, other moms are going to see that and feel like, like we don't have enough mom guilt. Like we have right, enough mom right. guilt. Like nobody needs that. Right. No, it's true. Well, and even like my very best friends, like the people we're doing life with, I see such a small percentage of them mothering, like just like from a time perspective, even though we spend so much of our life with them. Like, I really genuinely don't know what type of mom they are at home. Mm-hmm. Like, I, much less someone who's on social media, 
or even like moms that I'm like taking advice from on social media, you know, like mom bloggers that are blogging about how to discipline their children. I have no idea if they're actually doing this at home or if they're, you know, you just really don't know what people are going through or even, you know, how they're acting behind closed doors. Totally. And like, you also don't know, like, does she have a hormone imbalance? Does she have a chronic condition? Like, are her and her husband really, really struggling right now? Like, did someone else in their social circle have a fallout? Are they having financial trouble? Like, is there like an impending diagnosis going on? Like, you have no idea. And that's why, you know, I I talk a lot to doctors, but, you know, for, for real, like, and why I say not to a lot of doctors, because doctors will be like, oh, I met with you for like X amount of time. Therefore, like, I'm gonna wag my finger at you. But the reality is, is that there's so much that the patient doesn't share with the doctor, especially if you don't hold space for that. But also, like, there's just so much going on in our lives. And you have to be confident that you are making the best decision that you can in that moment in time. And that you are the only person who knows how to live your life best for yourself. Like, 100% to that. Like, you came to this life with a purpose. And these lessons, as hard as they are, and like, if you're following me on Instagram, um, I think that's where you've seen my epic breakdowns is what I call it, where you know, I made a choice of like, I very much wanted to be like, I don't want to share any of this pain I'm going through. And then I realized like, that serves no one. And there is real life happening right now. And so there was me on Instagram, bawling my eyes out, losing it, sometimes like laying on the ground, talking to people, answering people's questions and just being like, I mean, (laughs) I think like once a week, I show off my dark circles under my eyes, because part of my son's condition is that sometimes he sleeps four hours, sometimes it's seven interrupted. I need I'm someone who needs like nine to 10 hours of sleep. I have an And that's something that like was a game changer for me was like sleep a lot. And now I'm like trying to take naps and I'm like, oh my God, it's like having a baby again. Like, what? like yeah, yeah. this is supposed to get easier with a six-year-old. What's happening to me? But right. you know, with, with all of that, like I very much wanted to share, like this is real life and real life is really ugly sometimes, but it is never bad. Mm-hmm. Even when it feels really bad. And to hear what I'm going through and to see what I'm going through, I'm like, you know, there, there's never been a time where I have walked through what felt like the worst hell of my life that I didn't come out the other side grateful and recognizing that that moved me even closer to who I was really supposed to be in this world and has helped me serve even further. And it's something that, you know, when I came out and started talking about what was going on with my son, that he has pans, pandas, you know, possibly all these things, what we're doing, you know, I have these mom groups I'm a part of sharing natural protocols, insights, because I have this unique background as a research scientist that I can get into the research and I can figure this out. Right. And like, I have developed protocols in my clinic. So like autoimmunity and brain health, like I got this at the same time when I came out, it's a friend of mine who is an internationally recognized expert in pandas. Thank God these are my friends um, because they helped me. But, you know, there was two of them who said, you are probably the mom with the biggest social media platform like and following who has a kid with pandas. So it is no like surprise that when you came out, you were flooded with hundreds upon hundreds of messages that day alone because no, like moms are out there trying to talk about it, but nobody's listening to them. Whereas you have hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of women listening to you every day. And, you know, to that, I said, well, what, a, what an opportunity to serve. Cause it, you know, in reality, like it, it sucks and I hate it and I don't want it as much as I'm like, Oh, I can help him heal this. And we can go, I still don't want it just because I trained my whole right, life for right, it. Right. I still don't want it. But like, gosh, I'm going to be so grateful for it when I get to the other side. And if nothing else, like one, I better get my son back. I am working fiercely on that. But like, you know, from this experience, if nothing else, I help like at least one mom get that diagnosis for kid and be able to get her family back. Then like, that's worth it to go through that. Oh, I love that. That's so inspiring, really and truly. I think I'm sure that there's people listening to this who just, who just need that little oomph of, this this dark chapter, this hard time, this will pass, and you will look back on it 
and have positive feelings about some of the things that were learned and accomplished. Totally. And I shared, you know, I shared my Instagram stories. People were like, how is it that like you are so positive and you know, all this and like one, I keep a gratitude journal. Cause when you're in the darkest of the dark moments, what do you, what does your brain do? Every single person, I don't care what kind of guru you are. Every single person defaults to, I suck. I'm worthless. I'm the worst person in the world. Like here's everything that I've done wrong. And then the brain's like, let me pull out the Rolodex of the history of everything you've ever done right. wrong. Hit right. that gratitude journal and open it up. And you're like, Oh, but I have this to be grateful, that to be grateful for. And then the other thing is I actually shared, I'm like, here's what I do. I get in front of the mirror. This is me right now in front of the mirror. And I tell myself, you've got this. You are rocking this life. Like, look at everything that you've done. Look what's coming at you and how you are still just jumping over those hurdles. And even when you're in the thick of it and it's the worst and the worst, you have so much to be grateful for. Just the fact that you took a breath this morning. Like, I look at myself in the mirror and do this and not because like, oh, I'm some like enlightened person. No, because my 20s tossed me around so much. And then I decided to like hate on myself. And then I developed an autoimmune disease and I'm like, oh girl, you better change that narrative around. But it's also something that like I have learned, you know, working with thousands of women, I sit in this really privileged position of hearing all of these stories and how many women have sat in my practice in their 50s and 60s and told me how they wish they would have acknowledged how wonderful they were, how beautiful they were, how accomplished they were, how much they had to be grateful for in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s. And now here they are in their 50s and 60s looking back and saying, where did that time go? And why did I waste so much energy hating on myself? And really that's, and my patients have taught me so much. I mean, more than research studies have about life, the world and the human body to understand that like every day is an opportunity to honor your values and your gifts and share your story. Because when we share our stories, it, it heals us. We heal. But you never know who will hear your story and heal from hearing it and see what is possible from that. And even simple little things that you are doing in your life. And you might be thinking like, well, I'm not going through like major chaos and hell right now. Good. I'm so happy. This is the time to build your energy stores, to build your resiliency stores, because life will mm-hmm. hand you something Whatever you're asking for, and this is something really important to understand, is that the things you're going through right now, if you are somebody who's in the thick of it, you're struggling, they are likely moving you to what you exactly asked for. And we never arrive at the destination we intended the way we thought we would. It is usually really, really messy. Um, You know, you occasionally hear those stories of someone who's like, I manifested this and beautiful things happened and my life moves effortlessly. But that I'm like, I don't know. I want to get a camera on that action and be like, really, really? Because (laughs) the highlight reel is what we all want to play back to ourselves. And um, right. I'll also say if you are on social media playing the highlight reel, no shame in that because some people use it as like their gratitude journal or their documentation. It's just to be very mindful of what you're putting out and how does it feel when you're when you're putting things out there. Yes. No, I use my personal social media for for that. Just only happy moments with the kids only. And I even say that on like the top of my personal profile. This is only the good stuff, y'all. This is what they're going to, this is their childhood scrapbook. (laughs) The bad happens too. Don't worry. Yeah. Because that's just, I want, that's what I want to remember in my personal social media is all the happy moments. And yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. Okay. So you can find me, as I've been talking about, at Instagram. Um, so that's at Dr. Jolene Brayton. I, um, I spend a lot of time there. I love that platform. I'm just into foodie pictures. That's really, <laughs> that's my biggest jam. But me too. So uh, you can find me there. My main hub is at drbrighton.com, D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T. And you'll find free resources there, lots of articles, videos, all kinds of information and supplements targeted to supporting women's hormonal health. All of that lives there. You can also find me on YouTube. I recognize that not everybody wants to read, you know, 3,000 word blog posts and you might be busy. (laughs) So I also put out video content because I know we all learn differently. And really at the end of the day, I want to make sure that you have the tools that you need to take back your hormones, take back your body and really own that power. 
And if you're interested in the book, then I want to let you know, if you grab Beyond the Pill, I've got gratitude gifts for you. You know, you don't know that when you set out to write a book, you're like, I'm going to write a book. And then they're like, oh yeah, you have to market that book. And you're like, well, I'm a doctor, <laughs> not a marketer. Okay. Um, right. So that's a thing. And um, my kid got really, really sick. And like that happened right as all of this was supposed to ramp up. And I wasn't able to step up in the way that I envisioned for my book. And yet thousands of women came out in support. And so I put together these gratitude gifts at beyondthepillbook.com, which include a lab guide so you can know what labs your doctor should be testing. And there's recipes there. There's a green cleaning guide. There's also five exclusive video interviews. One of my favorite ones is with Dr. Joan Rosenberg on a reframe on anxiety and how to manage anxiety. Something that almost, I think, I think hands down every single mom has experienced that at some point, even if she hasn't recognized it. But, you know, she's a psychologist and she brought in the aspect that I couldn't really speak to in Beyond the Pill. Like Beyond the Pill, I gave you the why and the hows and how to reverse all that anxiety. And these interviews are to help enhance your journey through the book and help you get information you need so that you can thrive. Because for every one woman that heals herself, that's like a drop in a body of water. There's a ripple effect that mm-hmm. happens. You don't even see it. And it impacts every single member of your community to create more positive change on this planet. So I hope you'll go to beyondthepillbook.com, grab those bonuses. I'm super excited. Women have been absolutely loving them. So that's also fantastic as well. And if you're on hormonal birth control right now, there's a nutrient depletions guide. So you can get dialed in on exactly what you need to be eating to safeguard against those effects of the hormonal birth control. So cool. Okay. And where is the book available? You can find the book. Um, it's at Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, pretty much anywhere that they sell books. You can grab that. Awesome. These days, I think everybody goes to Amazon though. At least I do. And I have a, so many people have written and they're like, well, I bought the book on Amazon and can I still get the bonuses? I'm like, you can buy the book any format. So it's, uh, you can get audio, you can get, um, they even have CDs. I don't know if people have CD players anymore. Um, and there's like an <laughs> ebook and there's the physical hard, co- hard copy book. I actually have had, uh, several women who they're really smart. They're like, I'm buying audible to listen to it there. And then the physical book, so I can take notes and highlight. And I'm like, that's totally yeah, how, that's I, how I like to do I it. know me too. Yeah, that's how I like to do it. yeah. And it's hard. Like, <laughs> You know, I think I'm like someone who loves to consume audio, but at the same time, it's like, how do you do recipes from audio? I hate that. I'm like, I can't do that. So, you know, uh, with that, wherever you are in the world, you can access these bonuses. You know, I had no idea um, until I found myself living in Paris, like how many, how many French women are fans of mine, Germany, Colombia, like we have women in the Netherlands. I mean, just all over the world. And so I'm like, okay, if we're going to do these bonuses, you need to be able to access them anywhere in the world, especially places like Australia that have all these kinds of like issues with shipping. So (laughs) with that. Yeah. And they're all health nuts over there, man, in Australia. Yeah. They're living the dream. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Where are you at in the country? I'm in Texas, San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, well, at least you have you have the warm weather there um, as well. Oh, yeah. But I'm sure in San Antonio, I've been like I've been to several parts of Texas. Austin is a little more like so. My home base uh-huh. is Portland, Oregon, um, and yeah. I love whenever I'm in Austin. They're like, "Oh, Portland's like the little Austin." And when you're in Portland, they're like, "Oh, Austin's the little Portland." And I'm like, <laughs> "Y'all are just like on your game with like uh, you know health." And I also have to say that like um, I have several friends that say y'all that I talk to all the time and now I say that all the time and people are like they're like you say your O's weird are you from Minnesota or are you from like Canada and then they're like and then I'll say y'all and they're like are you from Texas I'm like I'm from the mountains of California you would never know it I grew up in the sticks like I just like have these really strong mirror neurons in my brain that will be like oh I'm hanging out with these people let me just like pick up on this I'll talk like them too that's great well yeah y'all is a good word I feel like it just spits sometimes so You can hold on to that. I think that's great. Well, this was so nice talking to you. I'm so excited for everyone to hear this. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate your support. I appreciate the work you're doing in this world because really the change we need in women's medicine, it needs to happen. And it's only going to happen by all of us working together to move women's medicine forward. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review so other moms like you can find us. 
You can find our blog at simplyhomemoms.com, and we are all over the internet on Pinterest, Instagram, and Facebook as Simply Home Moms. We'll be here next Thursday. 